today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. Wow. can't believe you did that again. You know, if I were you, I'd lay low for a while. Hey, I wouldn't pray because you might want to give God a few days on this one. I sure wouldn't go to church. Can you imagine a person? Don't look at the person sitting next to you. If the person sitting next to you knew what you did, oh, he's so good at it. And we buy it hook, line, and sinker, as they say. And we believe the lie from the father of lies. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Hebrews. The gift of salvation feels too good to be true. Would God really forgive us when we would simply place our trust in Him to do it? There has to be more to it, right? In today's message, Pastor J.D. will warn us not to let those seeds of doubt from the enemy take root and fool you into thinking you need to earn your redemption. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Hebrews chapter 12 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. The writer of Hebrews, by the Holy Spirit, begins, verse 1, writing, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before Him, He endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him, verse 3, who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Today's teaching is a message of hope. (laughs) Not that the other teachings aren't a message of hope, but it's really a message of hope and encouragement, especially for those who find themselves in that place of being weary and discouraged. What we're going to do today is look at biblical and practical ways that we as Christians can fight against and not grow weary or lose heart in the face of what is arguably extreme difficulty. And this is what was happening at the time that the writer of Hebrews wrote this letter. They were under intense persecution and extreme difficulty. They had lost everything, many of them. Many of their family disowned them. They had lost their livelihoods because now that they're Christians, and profess a saving faith in Jesus Christ. This was anathema. And all of their Hebrew friends and family and employers wanted nothing to do with them. And not only that, 
But they were pressuring them to go back to Judaism, which is why the writer of Hebrews is wanting to encourage them and give them this hope in the midst of their weariness and discouragement. Truth be made known, they were losing heart and growing weary. I mean, why else would we have a text like the one we have before us today? Whenever you read in Scripture God's Word, and He says, do not be afraid, it's usually because they were afraid. I know that's deeply profound, but (laughs) do not be afraid. Why would God want them to hear that? Because they were afraid. Why would God inspire the writer of Hebrews to say to them, write to them, don't be weary, don't grow weary, don't lose heart, unless it was because they were growing weary and losing heart. You know, it's sad, and it's really sad. We live in a day, and I don't mean to, I hope this doesn't come off as being harsh, but really within the church, I'm not talking about this church because we all know this is, the perfect church. This is, I'm sorry, not. Is there a lightning bolt anywhere coming in? I'm, talk, I'm talking about the church in general. We don't feel safe. We dare not ever share with anyone our struggles because they'll look down on us and question us and, where's your faith? And so we dare not ever share. You know, I'm. I'm really struggling. You know, it's interesting. I, I think of this often. <laughs> you know how it is when you pass by someone, you say, hey, how you doing? Oh, great. How are you doing? Great. And we go on our merry way, right? What would happen if the next time you ask someone, hey, how you doing? And they responded with something like, not good. Do you have a minute? Oh, hey, we'll do lunch. I wasn't expecting that answer. And even if I cared enough to listen to them and have them share with me what they're struggling with, so at the very least I can just pray for them, pray with them. We're guilty of that too, right? Hey, I'll pray for you. Got out of that one, didn't you? Do you pray for them when you say you're going to pray for them? I'm getting very convicted, so we're going to move on with the sermon already in progress. But in the text that we have, the writer of Hebrews draws upon this great clout of witness from what we affectionately refer to as this hall of faith. And now he turns this corner and explains the how of faith. And I'll explain what I mean when I say it like that. So we've just got done with this well-known chapter, chapter 11, where the writer of Hebrews draws upon all of these men and women of God, mightily used of God, weak in their faith, but inducted into the hall of faith, because it wasn't in their strength, it was in his strength. And so now he's listed them, he's named them, he's talked about them, and now he wants to draw upon that and say, these are those that are in this hall of faith. Well, let's now talk about the how 
of faith. So, what follows are three such hows. It's always the how of the Holy Spirit that enables us to do the what of His Holy Word. It's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the how. And this is why now the writer of Hebrews is going to turn this corner and encourage them to not grow weary. I know you're growing weary. Don't grow weary. Don't lose heart. I know you're losing heart. Some of you are giving up and giving in and going back. Don't do that. Yes, I know the adversity is increasing in its intensity. But I want to share with you now how it is that you don't have to give in. You don't have to give way to despair and discouragement and weariness. And the first one is in verse 1, and it's that of throwing off all hindrances. I don't know if it's possible to overstate the importance of what the writer says here concerning not just hindrances, but he also says sins. So you got hindrances and sins that entangle us, that tether us, that hold us back, keep us down, throw them off. And the particular interest is his analogy of a runner in a race. This is perfect, and for good reason. So you have these runners, and is it just me? Have you noticed that it's like they're wearing less and less clothing, and you know, when they get up to that, that line, it's kind of like, whoa, that's a wide. <laughs> Can we get a wide-angle shot on that, please? Why? Oh, there's a reason for that. You'll forgive the silliness of the illustration, but could you imagine? You're getting ready to watch a race, and the runners get up to the, the start, here comes this guy. He's got a backpack on. He's got one of those rolling, you know, suitcases. You know, the, the, they have four wheels on those now. They're a lot easier to, by the way, you know, than the two. Remember when you had the, with the two? Now they have four, so you just kind of, like you don't even have them. So he brings that in one hand, and he's got another one. The check one is in his other hand. And, and he comes up to that line. What are you doing? You might be able to run, but you ain't going to win. Why not? Because you got all this weight on you. That's going to be a hindrance to you. That's going to slow you down, keep you down, weigh you down. Get rid of it. This is what the writer is referring to. I think the question should be asked and answered. What is it in my life that is taking up residence and as such has become for me this hindrance that is keeping me, keeping me down, holding me down, tethering me to it. It's got a hold on me. And here's another thing, even absent this really perfect analogy of the runner, think about just those weights in our lives over an elongated period of time. It's not a long, it's just a matter of time before, I mean, you've been carrying this thing, and it's weighing you down. Get rid of it. 
Throw it off. No wonder you're so weary and discouraged and downcast. Look at what you're carrying. Get rid of the thing. Give it to Him. Cast all your cares upon Him because He cares for you. Why are you carrying that thing around anyway? It's a hindrance. Let's talk about sin. (laughs) We have to. It's in the text. We can't skip over it. So he's delineating between hindrances and sin. There's a differentiation, a distinction between the two. So we've got those things in our lives that are hindrances to our lives, but it can even be worse than that, because in addition to the hindrances, there can also be sin that entangles us, traps us. It has to go. Well, where's it going to go? Well, why are you carrying it in the first place? Well, I got to pay the price. No, you don't. He already paid for it. He already took that sin. He already forgave you for that sin. Why are you still packing that thing around? No wonder. Look at you. You're all downcast and depressed and weary and discouraged. Of course you are. Give it to Him. He paid for it. You're forgiven. Why are you letting the enemy get away with that? Why are you letting the enemy continue to condemn you and beat you down with that sin? He's got you right where he wants you. Take that sin where it belongs. Get rid of it. Take it to the cross where it was paid for. He took it. He took our sin for us, from us, paid for it, for us, instead of us. Why do we take it back? Oh, come on. Let's be honest, right? Oh, we take it to the Lord. We take all of our cares, all of our anxieties, all of our fears, all of our worries, all of our sin, and we we give it to Him. And Lord, I give this to You. And thank You, Lord. And we cast it on Him. And we feel so light. Oh, man. You know, in the original language, this idea of cast all your cares, like it's like take that burden that's just, I mean, crushing you and roll it off and give it to Him. He'll take it. You know where we live, we have manual rubbish. We're not like you guys, where you guys have the, you know, cans. We have to buy our own cans, and we have to carry that thing all the way down the end of the lane, and two times a week, they come and take it. They take it away. They take it away. It's gone. I love it. I I give it to them, and they take it. If you got a better illustration, you let me know, okay? (laughs) Can you imagine, and it's going to get even sillier, but I think you'll get the point. Could you imagine if I go to the dump at Kapa'a Quarry and say, can I have it back? (laughs) Dude, what, what is the matter with you? Well, we do that with the Lord. We give it to Him. He takes it. You know, it's kind of humorous, actually, if you think about it. Because it's so, you know, us as Christians. You know, I gave my life to the Lord. Oh, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You know, you know that's not really the miracle, that you gave your life to Christ. Well, you praise the Lord, but the real miracle is that He took it. Think about that. That's the real miracle. I gave my life. We say, I accepted the Lord. Actually, He accepted you. 
See, if I'm up there, I would have said, I don't think you want that one. I, I, wait, let's just take this one slow, okay? We take it back. And I'll tell you why I think that is. Innate within our sin nature is this notion that somehow we still owe a debt. Because see, Satan is very clever when it comes to guilt. He builds this infrastructure of guilt in our lives, and he keeps reminding us, wow, can't believe you did that again. You know, if I were you, I'd lay low for a while. Hey, I wouldn't pray, because you might want to give God a few days on this one. I sure wouldn't go to church. Can you imagine a person? Don't look at the person sitting next to you. If the person sitting next to you knew what you did, oh! He's so good at it. And we buy it hook, line, and sinker, as they say. And we believe the lie from the father of lies. He's lying to you. See, he knows that as soon as you get to the cross with that, you're free, man. As soon as you, so he will do everything to delay you at best, keep you at worst, entangled in the condemnation of that sin, if it means he keeps you from the Christ on the cross who paid for that sin. Because he knows it's a game changer as soon as you get there. The sooner you get there, the better. You need not carry that and have that weigh you down and beat you down any longer than it takes to get to the cross. Take it to the Lord. And here's, here's another one the enemy's got us on. And I have to confess in my own life, as long as I've been walking with the Lord, this is still a biggie. The enemy's so subtle and he tries to get us to think that, yeah, you're, you're forgiven, but he always puts a a condition on it. Yeah, you know, yeah, you're forgiven, but, and as soon as he's got you with that but, he's got you. Because see, now it's, it's like this. Yeah, I, I'm forgiven, but it's not that easy. You're not going to get off that easy. What were you thinking? You think you could just go to the Lord and, and confess your sins, as 1 John 1, 9 says, and If you just confess your sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. You think you could just get off scot-free like that? Well, now I'm starting to wonder. Because now you've planted that seed of doubt in my mind, and it's beginning to germinate and sprout, and you've just taken a different angle at getting me to distance myself from the one who has forgiven me and paid for that sin. And so there's almost this thing of, yeah, I know I'm forgiven, but it can't be that easy. That's too good to be true. Let me tell you something about this quote of this, whatever you want to call this saying, well, if it's too good to be true, it must be too good to be true. Not so fast. If it's too good to be true, it's God. Because God is good and God is true. And be careful with that too good to be true one. Because when it comes to the gift of eternal life, gift, that's too good to be true. No such thing as a free lunch. 
Well, that might be the case for you, but when it comes to eternal life, it's a gift, freely given. Oh, he paid for it. He paid the price, cost him everything, cost him his life, but he did pay for it. He purchased us. It's not a purchase, it's a, it's a gift. Now, we're coming up into that season where we buy gifts for people, right? And then what do they do? They re-gift the gifts that you <laughs> gift them. It's okay, it's all right. We all do it, come on. You know you're in trouble when you re-gift it to the person that you forgot gave it to you. That's the problem, but anyway, I digress. You receive this gift, but somebody paid for that gift. If you try to pay for it, it's no longer a gift, it's a purchase, not a gift. So someone purchased that gift, and they gave you that gift. And what do we do? Ah, what's the catch? Too good to be true. No such thing as a free lunch. Oh, it can't be that easy. That's the enemy. And if the enemy can get you to believe that he's entangled you, forget hindrances, he's got you. Not only will he keep you down and slow you down, he can take you down. Just with that. Under the crushing weight of that condemnation, Don't let him do it. Get rid of it. It's been paid for. You don't know anything. Your your debt has been paid in full. It's stamped in the blood of Jesus Christ. Get rid of it. He took it. Don't go to Kapaakori and try to get it back. There we go. Last time I'm going to use that one. Now, there's a progressive, I, that's, I hate that word, that's been, I hate it when the world takes a word and mars it. Progressive in the sense of progression, in that once you have thrown off all the hindrances and the sins that so easily entangle you, now fix your eyes on Jesus. Now I know this is so Christian cliche, keep your eyes on the Lord. I mean, we even say that to people when they're going through a trial. If you're anything like me, and I suspect that you are, you don't warm up to that when, you know, well, easy for you to say, you're not going through the trial. Oh, keep your eyes on the Lord. I know that. <laughs> but bear with me on this, because I know this is a firm grasp of the obvious Keep your eyes on the Lord, your eyes fixed, fixed on the Lord. I think about Isaiah. (laughs) He will keep him in perfect peace, (laughs) whose mind is stayed on thee. We're looking to him. Now, in order for me to look to him and fix my eyes on him, the inference is, is that I'm looking elsewhere. And if you really think about it, I am looking to and fixing my eyes on someone or something. And here the writer of Hebrews says, once you've gotten rid of all the rubbish, all the sin, all the entanglements, you refocus now. Eyes on the prize. Let's go back to the runner. Uh, How much would that runner be slowed down if he took his eyes off the finish line and looked back? Oh man, you're you're game over. Just the the looking 
back is going to, you're going to lose. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Some of what you heard today may have encouraged you in your faith. There are many revered Bible characters mentioned in the book of Hebrews, people who lived ordinary lives but amounted to much in God's eyes when it came to faith. Perhaps you might be the same. You're living your very ordinary life, striving to live for God, but sometimes you make some harebrained decisions. Thankfully, God's looking at your life and your faith as a whole. This should be encouraging to you. You don't have to live up to perfection. Continue following this series with us in the book of Hebrews to gain additional glimpses of faith lived out. If you'd like to learn more about the ministry of In Spirit and Truth, go to calvarychapelkaneohe.com. While you're at our website, feel free to check out additional teachings from Pastor J.D. If you're ever in or near the Kaneohe area, we'd love to have you come join us. Visit Calvary Chapel Kaneohe on Sundays and Thursdays for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor J.D. You can find service times and directions on our website. Once again, that's calvarychapelkaneohe.com. Thanks for listening today to this teaching in the book of Hebrews. We hope you'll join us for our next edition of In Spirit and Truth, where Pastor J.D. has much to share with you about what God has been putting on his heart. Faith is something that's ongoing, so keep it up. Join us again on In Spirit and Truth.